Good morning, church. So let's go to God in prayer before we get started. All right, Father, we love you. And we thank you so much uh, for all that you do. And Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you, uh, God, just that you love us and that you call us your children. Uh, God, we want to thank you so much uh, for Jesus. And God, we thank you uh, for his example. And God, I pray that as we live, as we interact with people, uh, as we spend time uh, doing the things that we do at work or at school uh, or at the grocery store or in traffic or on social media, God, that we would uh, be the people uh, that Jesus has called us to be. Uh, God, that we would interact with others the way that Jesus would have us to interact, that we would speak with others the way that Jesus would have us to speak. And God, that as we've been talking about over the course of this series, uh, that we would uh, check the source. God, that we would go to our hearts and uh, get rid of some things that don't belong. Um, God, that we would address some issues that have been there for a long time that maybe we haven't addressed before. So that ultimately, God, we would speak and use our tongue not for destruction, uh, but to bless and to give grace. God, as we uh, spend a little bit of time in your word today, I just pray that you would move me out of the way. Uh, fill me with your spirit and uh, God, let your spirit fill this place uh, that ears would be open and, and hearts would be softened to receive your message. Father, we love you so much and we thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray, amen. Okay, so before we get started for this week, next week, next week, plan on coming back. Okay, David is starting a new sermon series called As It Is In Heaven. As It Is In Heaven. Now, Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples to pray. And as Jesus prays to the Father, the Lord's Prayer, that hopefully you're familiar with out of Matthew chapter 6, he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're going to be looking at that idea. We're going to be looking at the perfect will of God. We're going to be looking at the perfect plan of God. We're going to be looking at how God's plan and purpose are perfect, how they're intentional, and how we can glean from that wisdom of the plan and foreknowledge and purpose of God and how we can apply that to our lives so that we can live intentionally. Because there are so many things that we do as we go from day to day that uh, we just do haphazardly and we do willy-nilly and we don't think about the purpose behind them and we don't think about living intentional lives. And so over the next three weeks after today, we're going to be looking at how to live our lives as people of intention, as people of purpose, as people who glean from the wisdom of God to know what his plan is and to put that into effect in our lives. So please, 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 please come back next week um, and the next three weeks and forever. Um, so that being said, um, let's dive in. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, over the last few weeks, We've been working through this series called Watch Your Mouth. And we've been talking about our tongue. And we've been talking about the use of our words. And David started off by talking about and then proceeded to talk about for the next three weeks that our words, if we are not careful, can be entirely destructive. 
And I love the illustration that he used in talking about wildfires. If you were here a couple weeks ago, you saw that. Uh, that wildfires are very interesting in that when they become powerful enough, they create their own weather system around them. They can create a force of wind that drives the wildfire forward so it can do the maximum amount of damage. And most of those wildfires, most of them, less than 10% of them, in fact, are started by natural causes. 90% of them, over 90% of them are caused by people like you and me. People who are out camping and forget to put out their campfire or they're setting off fireworks in the woods or doing a bunch of crazy stuff. And one small spark is enough to ignite a wildfire because they weren't careful. They did something stupid and after that, they created this natural disaster. And what was even better about that is right after that, David talked about the fact that uh, when fire investigators go out to look to see what the cause of the fire was, they can look at the path of the fire and the grass that was burned by the fire will point down toward the source, toward where the fire began. And so David, after that, talked about the fact that it's not our tongue that's the culprit. Our tongue in and of itself is just a symptom, right? We need to look to the source of where the negativity is coming from. And so David said that we need to look to what? The heart, right? We need to look to the heart. And last week he, he talked about uh, washing our mouths, not just watching our mouths, but washing our mouths and getting rid of all of that negative stuff that we put in to our hearts so that what comes out is no longer tainted, what comes out is no longer disgusting, what comes out is no longer nasty toward other people. So we get rid of things like anger, and we get rid of things like malice, and we get rid of things like clamor and slander and all of these other things that cause problems between people. And when we wash out our mouths, what's left is a clean heart. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. So you've probably heard the saying growing up, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't finish it. Don't finish it. That, 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 don't finish it. If you don't have anything nice to say. And when you're younger, this was a common phrase, right? You might even still say it to your kids, your grandkids, right? Or people might have to say it to you, right? If you're that person. If you don't have anybody to say this phrase to, maybe you're the person that people are saying it to. Okay, maybe that's it. Okay, if you're like, well, I'd never have to say that to anybody. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. It's because it's being said to you more often than you're saying it to other people. Okay, and so if you don't have anything nice to say, obviously the ideal scenario is that you would have something nice to say, right? Otherwise, this phrase would not have to be used. Otherwise, you as a kid would not have had to hear this phrase over and over and over and over again and even have it memorized, to the point where your parents would start off with, if you don't have anything nice to say, then you could finish. Don't say anything. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And for some of us, this is hard. For me, as someone that likes to run my mouth, this is difficult. Thank you, one person. Okay, this is difficult if you're anything like me. Because I like to run my mouth. I like to speak. 
I'm one of those people like David talked about a couple weeks ago that, that ruins the curve for everybody else in terms of number of words said per day. Okay, there are some people that like on average will speak like 6,000. I'm probably in like the six digits, okay? Um, I speak a lot in a day. And so this is kind of weird to me. This is kind of weird to me in moments when you cross me. What do you mean don't say anything? I'm just supposed to take what you just said to me? What do you mean don't say anything? What about, what about on social media? Ooh. What about on social media? You know, those, those lefties, right, the Democrats, they posted blah, 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 or they're doing this, and so I have to say something. Is what you have to say always helpful? Is what you have to say always spirit-filled? Is what you have to say always nice? Or what about when that person at work just rubs you the wrong way and this is the last straw? And there's all that stuff, that, that bitterness that's just, been, that's just been mounting inside of you. And you just, ah, and you like breathe fire on that person. It's been, way, like, it's just been building for so long. And you're like, this is my moment, <sighs> right? Like, what do you mean don't say anything? That makes no sense. But this is the saying that we heard when we were growing up. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And I think the reason our parents tried to drive that into our minds, I think the reason why our grandparents tried to drive that into our minds is because at some level they know that that thing that you're burning to say, that thing that you're just rearing back and ready and you're waiting for your moment where you can just step in and I'm going to let them have it, it's not valuable. It's not valuable. And not only is it not valuable, it's going to cause more problems than it will good. When you're ready to post that comment on Facebook, or you're ready to post or share that thing on Facebook, maybe what you need to do is, is think of this right here. Is this nice? And I, I know, I know, I get it. I know you have to defend your stance. But let's, let's think about this for just a moment. And I'm going to offend probably a lot of people in here. Um, so please don't kill me. Um, is that Facebook post really going to change anything? How many, how many people that you have talked to on Facebook have changed their opinion about something? None. <laughs> but how many times have you posted what you thought was a harmless comment and it sparked a six-day-long Facebook comment argument. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Especially since in that format, you're not going to change anyone's mind. You're not going to change anyone's opinion. All you're going to do is breathe fire. Everybody understand that? Everybody get that? And so, um, David also talked about this in the last couple weeks. Uh, this proverb from uh, Proverbs 12, 18 says this, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And you guys have experienced this, right? The, here's another phrase that you've heard as a kid, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, that's garbage, guys. You know that, right? Everybody in here knows that's garbage. Everybody in here knows that's false. 
You can say that all you want, or I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? All these things that we teach our kids, they're all false, all of them. And you may be able to stand your ground for a little while as people are picking at you and poking at you, but eventually someone's going to come at you with that sword and it's going to cut real deep. And you may think, man, I've got, I've got such resolve and sticks and stones may break my bones, right? I'm rubber and you're glue. Uh-uh. Because that one thing is going to be said and all of a sudden, you find yourself in a lot of pain. Or you didn't follow that first saying of, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And you found yourself being the one driving the sword into someone else. And here's what I love. Um, do you guys, anybody in here know how surgery works at all? Like any kind of surgery? Okay, when surgery starts, they do like the whole, okay, I'm going to put you under thing. Or they don't, which that's crazy to me. Um, anytime, like I had surgery once. I had my wisdom teeth removed. And Dr. Armanini, who is my oral surgeon, was like, all right, you got two options. We can put you under. And I was like, that one. Because um, I, I don't want to be awake for that. Uh-uh. So, uh, but in most types of surgery, what they have is they have a tool called a scalpel. You guys familiar with this tool? It's a little, really, really, really sharp knife. I talked about this in our teen class a couple weeks ago, and the kids all cringed. So I hope I don't, like, make everyone sick to their stomach here, especially since we're about to eat. But what they use the scalpel for is to cut open what needs to be cut open for the purpose of healing. Everybody understand that? Everybody see that? Everybody get that? They cut open a specific area of the body so that they can get to a part that needs healing. Now, what happens, though, if that scalpel is in the hands of a crazy person? Or what happens if that scalpel is in the hands of somebody who's not trained? Is it any more an instrument of healing? No, likewise with your tongue. Do you guys see that? You could use your tongue to benefit other people, which we're going to talk about here in a, in a little bit. But I want you to see just how much damage your tongue can do if you're not careful. It's like, it's like Matt read for us. Life and death. Life and death. Not just death. David talked a lot about death the last three weeks. But life and death are found in the power of the tongue. And so the way that you use your words can either to be to build someone up and heal them, and at times that might mean addressing some things that they don't want addressed. At times that might mean rebuke. At times that might be taking that person aside and saying, hey, I saw what you posted. I don't think that was beneficial. At times that might be, hey, you know, I, I heard what you said to so-and-so. I gotta tell you, I don't think that was a good thing. And so you might have people coming to you with a scalpel and they're gently cutting so that something can be healed beneath the surface. But if you're not careful or you don't know what you're doing or you're not intentional with your words, you could be running at somebody and just jab them and you're gonna do way more pain. You're gonna cause way more pain and way more harm than good. Does everybody understand that? Okay, so... I want us to look, um, if you have a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We're just going to read two verses. Okay, just read two verses. And we're going to start in verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. This is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Now, this is in a section like David talked about last week where he's addressing their new life in Christ. And he's already addressed for the most part that they need to put certain things away like we talked about earlier. They need to put away malice and slander and things that make them angry. Do not let the sun set on your anger, right? Those things. He's already talked about a lot of that. And now he's getting to a point where he's addressing positive thinking. He's addressing using positive language. And he says in verse 29 this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, this is loaded. So I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking about this and breaking this down. He starts off by saying, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Now, David talked about this a little bit last week. That word corrupting is a Greek word that can also be translated rotten. Rotten. And the only other place it's used in scripture other than here is in the New Testament when Jesus is talking about picking tree or picking trees. No, picking fruit off of a tree that you would expect to be good fruit, but it's not good fruit. It's bad fruit. It's rotten fruit. Is it the fruit's fault that it's rotten? For anybody in here that's ever grown anything, is it that fruit's fault or is there probably something wrong with the plant itself that that fruit is rotten, right? So he's he's addressing again the source and he's saying, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths because it's, it's deeper than that. It goes to the heart, right? But only such as is good for building up. Going back to that scalpel thing. Is what you have to say valuable? Is what you have to say helpful? Is what you have to say going to build somebody else up? And if the answer to that question is no, then you need to do two things. Number one, you need to address your heart. And number two, you need to not say the thing. Okay? Address your heart. Don't say the thing. But I need to say all the things. No, you don't. You need to say just the things that are beneficial to building other people up. He continues on. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, I love this because Paul is going into detail more here than just, than just words. He's talking about the fact here that your job as a follower of Jesus is to bring grace into every situation. And so when you're having a conversation with that coworker that's driving you nuts, that's driving you insane, or that family member, that aunt or uncle that's crazy, or your cousin that, you know, you can't seem to, you know, all, every time you talk to them, you're just boiling. You're like, I'm just going to keep texting you because if I talk to you in person, I'm just going to blah, right? Or your kids. Maybe it's your kids. They keep asking you questions. 
I found this out. I'll be honest with you guys. I used to be really angry when my mom and dad would say, because I said so. It drove me insane. Now I work with teenagers who ask a lot of questions. I love you guys. Now I work with teenagers who ask a lot of questions. And I finally get it, guys. I finally get why mom and dad always told me, because I said so. I get it. Anyway, that had nothing to do with what I'm saying, but I get you guys now, and I love you for it, um, and I appreciate it that much more. And I, I know I'll appreciate it that much more when I have kids, when they're like, why, why, why? And I just want to blow up on them because I said so. Um, so anyway, back to what we were talking about. Your job as a follower of Jesus is to, is to bring grace into every situation. Is to bring love into every situation. And you not only do that with how you act, but you do that with how you speak. And so again, you need to check your heart. You need to wash those things away, get rid of them, all of the things that are going to cause you to say things that you shouldn't be saying. And you need to enter every conversation ready to give grace. You need to enter every conversation ready to give love to the people that you're talking to. Dropping down to verse 32, he says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as, Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Here's, here's the heart of the matter. And this is what Jesus calls you to as one of his followers. This is what God calls you to as one of his children, that you would be kind to one another that you would be tender-hearted towards each other and that you would forgive. And guys, this is so hard. This is so hard because there are some of you that I just don't want to be kind to. I don't. There are some of you that I just don't want to be tender-hearted towards. And there are, some, there are some people that have wronged me in my life to the point where I don't know if forgiveness is even on the table. But Paul addresses that here and he says, be kind. Don't just consider it. Don't just pray about it. Well, I'll pray about it and I'll see what, no. Be kind. And where does that come from? That comes from the Spirit, right? That doesn't come from you. You don't just decide one day like, oh, I'm going to force myself to be kind to this person. No, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? If the Spirit's living in you and you let the Spirit grow in you, what's it going to produce? Kindness. So maybe if you're struggling with this, I talked about this a few weeks ago when I preached on conflict. That was fun. Um, maybe, just maybe, if you're struggling with that, maybe the Spirit doesn't have control. Maybe you need to give the Spirit more control so that kindness is something that's produced, so that patience is something that's produced inside of you. Be tender-hearted and forgive. As God in Christ forgave you. So I want to show you just one way how this works itself out. Because David talked a lot about how the tongue is a fire and how that fire can be destructive. But I want to show you just one thing, and I love this, in, in Matthew chapter 6, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus looks at the people that he's preaching to, and he says, you are what? The 
Light of the world, right? You are the light of the world. Now, is he saying you are the GE 60-watt energy-efficient light of the world? No, because they didn't have light bulbs or electricity then. What did they have to light lamps with? Fire, right? Oil, yeah, oil and fire. And that fire provided light, which was good. Okay, so does fire always have to be a bad thing? Does fire always have to be destructive? No, it can be if you're not careful. But fire can also be a good thing. So the last couple of years, when we take our teenagers over to the 30-hour famine at North Canton, we do, we do this exercise where we sit in a dark room and everybody's holding a candle that's not lit. Actually, I want to show this to you. Um, Casey, can you come up here? Deb, can you come up here? Uh, Doug, can you come up here? Can you come up here? Can you come up here? Uh, that's five, right? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, cool. So um, everybody grab a candle. And here's how this works out. Everybody's holding a candle, and we're sitting in a circle. And we talk about the fact that the world that we live in is a dark place which is really cool because we're sitting in a dark room, right? It's like a great object lesson. Um, talk about the fact that the world is a dark place. We talk about the fact that in addition to the world being a dark place, God sends his son Jesus, who not just proclaims over us that we're light, he says, I am the light of the world. And so there's one candle that's lit in the middle of the circle and it gives off some light, okay? As one candle in a dark room would, it gives off some light. But then what we go into after that is we talk about the fact that not only is Jesus the light of the world, but he's called us to be the light of the world. And one of the ways that we can distribute that light to other people is by being people who encourage. And in doing that, okay, and I'll just show you how this works out. Can I have a candle? Thank you. So we talk about being people who, oh no, there we go. So we talk about being people who encourage, uh-oh. And I have a light. And there are a couple, ooh, sweet. And there are a couple of things that I can do I didn't even ask him to do that. That was sweet. There are a couple of things that you can do with that light. Okay, because like we talked about, fire is destructive, right? So I can use this light to hurt you. I can use this fire to hurt you based off of what comes out of my mouth. Or, or I can come to you and I can say, Deb, um, every year, every year for the last few years, um, you've thought of my wife and I, which I love. Um, and you've thought of us specifically every time you've gone out to pick strawberries. And that means a lot to me, in part because we can eat them with ice cream, um, but, also, <laughs> but also because um, I can binge eat them and it's healthy. Um, and just, just the fact that you thought about my wife and I um, just makes me appreciate you, and I just wanted to let you know how much I love you and how much I appreciate that. Do you see how that works? And here's, here's the beautiful thing. Then in that circle, after I would encourage Deb, 
I would take her seat, and Deb would get up, and she would go find someone whose light is not currently lit, and she would go and encourage them. Okay, so just go ahead, light the person's light next to you. You don't have to say anything. That's fine. And so she would encourage Casey. Okay, and this would continue on down the line. Go ahead. This would continue on down the line. And finally, we're sitting in a room with 40 or more people, and the room is almost completely illuminated. And the beautiful thing about this is our kids are in tears. And I think primarily they're in tears because they live in a world where encouragement is not something that happens every day. They go into their schools and they're torn down. They get on social media and they start to compare themselves to their friends and their friends' families. And that light slowly starts to dim inside of them and it starts to fade until it finally goes out. And without each other, and this is why community is so important, without each other, I wouldn't have the ability to do this. Oh, stay lit, thank you. I wouldn't have the ability to do that. I wouldn't have the ability to come to Deb who can encourage me right back. Guys, we live in a dark world where Satan is trying to take this and he's trying to blow it out. And there are a lot of people all over the world that are going to try and take your light and they're going to try and vanquish it. They're going to try and quench it. They're going to try and blow it out. And Satan has enough help as it is to do that that he doesn't need your help to do it as well. He doesn't need you taking your tongue and going around. I mean, he, he wouldn't mind the help, I'm sure. We make the most impact in this world. We will make the most impact in our church. We'll make the most impact in our community if we are people who encourage first. If we are people who will light each other's light and send each other out. And and you know what? There may be times, like I just illustrated, where my light goes out. I'm discouraged. I'm upset. Somebody just came and, and breathed fire all over me and my light goes out. And all I'm left with is damage and smoke. And without you guys, that light will stay unlit. We need to be people who encourage. We need to be people who clean out our heart of all the nastiness, of all the hate, of all the grudges, of all the anger and slander and gossip. And we need to just get rid of it and fill our hearts with the Spirit of God who brings love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. And that is the fire, guys, that should come out of your mouth. If it's not, this world will continue to be a dark place. So I ask you to consider just one more time before this series closes, what are you allowing to come out of your mouth? And you may think that that is just something that's so insignificant. 
Or you may think that you're using your words in a platform or in a place that nobody else is going to really care about or nobody else is going to hear. Well, they said it so I can say it. False. Be people who are different. Be people who light each other up for good reasons, who build each other up for good reasons. Because if we're going to make any impact in this community, us tearing each other down is not going to benefit anybody. Believe it or not, you have a witness on social media. And by getting on and posting certain things, you're not helping yourself, you're not helping our church, you're not helping the cause of Christ. Because even though those things aren't actually coming out of your mouth, quote unquote, you're still posting them and they're still your words. So be careful how you use them. And instead, let's be people that encourage, let's be people that are kind, let's be people that are loving. And more than anything, with this that can cause so much damage as well as good, let's be people of self-control. Thank you, guys. You guys can blow your candles out and just set them on the tray there. Thank you. So I want to ask you, okay, to just consider one thing. And that's it. And then we're done. I just want to ask you to consider one thing. This little statement that can close our series out. And it's this. Use your words to give life not to take it away. Use your words to give life and not to take it away. Take your candle around. And ma- first of all, imagine that you have a candle, okay? And watch how you walk with it because wax goes everywhere, okay? But, you know, take your candle around and consider how you can look for people whose candle is not currently lit and encourage that person. And just think about how much more of a light this congregation could be to our community if you used your words to give life rather than to take it away. Because just as the proverb said that we've been reading for four weeks now, life and death are in the power of the tongue. How are you going to use this powerful instrument that God has given you? Are you going to use it for the gospel? Are you going to use it for his kingdom? Or are you going to use it to tear down? It's your choice. But you will have more of an impact in this world for Jesus Christ if you clean your heart out and you begin to use the fire of your tongue to build people up rather than to tear them down.